This is Edge of the Box, a podcast brought to you by whoscored.com. Hello, welcome back to the Edge of the Box podcast, a podcast by whoscored.com in association with Bet Victor. Fixtures absolutely in chaos at the moment. So what we're going to do for this podcast episode is have a little award ceremony. So I'm joined by Jonathan Wilson, obviously, because he wins so many awards. So it's good to have him on board for the podcast. I don't think I've been nominated for any of these. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) You might be able to sneak you into some of them. I think there is one of the biggest flops in there. We might be able to get you into something, Jonathan. We've got Josh Wright with us as well, who would win the award for looking out the window the most through a podcast episode in 2021. And me, who's been nominated for awards previously, but won absolutely nothing. How are we both? Yeah, very well. Thanks. Yeah, I just had to cancel my Christmas holiday because of this COVID thing. But It's, it's chaos, Jonathan. It's, apparently it's not about me. Nah, the world is chaos. Absolute yeah. chaos at the so, moment. So, you know, I'll be uh, doing a tour of the supermarkets first thing Monday morning, trying to find a oh. turkey. <laughs> excellent, excellent news. Josh, you okay? Yeah, if it makes you feel any better, Jonathan, I've just come back from holiday, so I got mine in just in time. Um, but Honestly, sure it makes me feel no better at all. If anything, slightly worse. I thought it might. I thought it might. Rubbing salt in the wound. There, where did you go? Out of interest. I went to Dubai. Oh, football. Right, it's a footballer's holiday for Josh. Really on brand. <laughs> That's where all the footballers go on holiday. Was it nice? It was, like, it was really nice. I've seen quite golf? a lot of people in Dubai, actually. I wasn't playing golf. My um, partner, she had to work out there, so I went tagged along. No tan, though, Josh. No tan. Uh, no, I think it's the lighting. I've got, uh, I feel, okay. my arms are quite brown. Okay, fine. He's well wearing a white you. t-shirt to try and show it off, though. I know. I know. Well done, well done to your arms, though, Josh. Great tan <laughs> on the arms. Let's crack on with the awards, then. So the first one that we've been given is best player. We're all going to play this, by the way, including me. Josh, I believe all your nominations for the award are dictated by stats, as you would expect from who scored. Yep, that's correct. All of, Jonathan, all, yeah, all of our stuff is backed by stats for this one. Lovely. And Jonathan and myself have used the eye test to pick yes, who we Well, I presume, I presume so. I presume you've used the eye test, Jonathan. You might have used stats, but I would have thought you'd have used the eye test. Yeah. It's a given. It's a reality is what I've used. Yes, Rob. That's a good way to nominate for awards. So the first one, best player. I imagine this is going to be a cracking start where we've all got exactly the same person, but we'll come to the who scored algorithm first, Josh. Yeah, yeah, who is the so, best player? So first, by quite a long way, really, is um, perhaps not surprising, Mo Salah. He scored the most goals. He's also got the most assists. Um, and he's, he's played a direct hand in, in a Premier League goal and all but one of his in his league games this season. Um, and he's also creating the most big chances. So he's basically doing everything for Liverpool. I think he's not that he's ever, he wasn't like disappointing at all at last season, but like it was still a bit of a way down from what we saw in his first year. But he's been unbelievable this season just world-class touches in most games um and if afcon goes still goes ahead so he'll be a huge huge miss yeah could only score a penalty though against aston villa couldn't you Ma? couldn't manage to score past the mighty avfc jonathan salah i presume yeah i mean bernardo silva's the only player to challenge him but i think salah's been absolutely sensational and, and it's not just he's been scoring goals and setting goals up it's that two of those goals the goals against city and watford are two of the most extraordinary goals i've ever seen so He's been absolutely. I don't. Mean, I don't know how you defend against somebody who can, you know, sort of jink around four players. Mm. So yeah, I think I think it's got to be Salah. I've called him on a few podcasts recently. Messi reincarnated, but the thing is with that is that he's doing it in the Premier League, and we never got to see Messi in the Premier League, which which is frustrating. How close to those levels is he, Jonathan? I mean, it's a slightly different type of player. I think he's you know he's he's more explosive. There's a great physicality about him. Uh, he probably doesn't drop deep in quite the same way uh, to, to sort of dictate the tempo and pace of the game the way that Messi could. I mean, didn't always do it and certainly hasn't really done that recently. Um, but I mean, uh, if you're looking at the last year, the, then, or, or certainly you know, the, the, the last six months, then, then you know, Salah's streets ahead of Messi. Hmm. Um uh, and, and you know, and he has really since he got to Liverpool. He and I know last season was a was a slight dip, but a very slight dip in a team that generally was underperforming. Um, it's been it's been incredibly consistent. So, it, it, I mean, the fact he wasn't in that in the squad for that FIFA eleven of the year seemed to me utterly bizarre. Look, if I if I if I were put in charge of some new US franchise and given an unlimited budget, who am I signing now? It's Salah. If it's five years ago, probably Messi. But there is a yeah. point at which those lines cross. 
Yeah, I mean, he's only the seventh best player in the world, Mo Salah, Josh, but he, he's the best player in the eyes of who scored and the panel on the who scored podcast. So that will soften the blow for him immensely, I would imagine. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure that's what he thinks about, to be honest. Not the league title, just uh, these awards. But um... He also won the uh, FSA Player of the Year, and as we know, the FSA awards are absolutely <laughs> where it's at. They I mean, he only won one award that night. You know, some of us won more than that, but, you know. Well, well done. Well done, yeah. Dave. It has to be the same awards ceremony as something Salah's winning awards at as well, I imagine. Oh, I, I mean, I think we're, we're, yeah, we're part of the pantheon, aren't we? Like we're sitting there next to each other. Yeah, definitely. So well done to Mo Salah, best player. And as Josh said, if he does go away for AFCON, he will be a huge miss for Liverpool. That will really probably affect their total bid quite heavily. Next award is best signing. I've got to be honest, I really, really struggled with this one. I don't think, I don't think there has been one. In the league, there's no one that really stands out to me. Because you could, I, I, I'll ask you who you've gone for first. Who have you gone for, Jonathan? Well, they came down to two. Um, weirdly, both Arsenal, a, a club yeah. that I think we were a bit skeptical of their signings in the summer. So it came down to um, Aaron Ramsdale or the one I ended up going for, which is uh, Takahiro Tomiyasu. Who I, I, th- I mean, I think just sort of he's quietly gone with his job and he's been very good at right back for them. Uh, I think he gives them nice balance in that he's a bit more defensive than um, with whoever they play on the left, you know, whether that's Tierney or um, uh, the other lad. Tavares. Uh, Tavares. Um, I, you know, I think that works well. The fact he, he has experience of playing as a centre-back, um, that when he was in Italy, he often played on the right side of three. Um, but I, I think he's just in a very, in a slightly old-fashioned way. You know, he's not a sort of really attacking fullback in the way we've seen recently. Um he, you know, he's uh, he's just been a very solid, very good right back, and may- maybe that, that that does sort of confirm your point, Dan, that there hasn't really been an outstanding signing. The, the really big deals, Grealish, Sancho, uh, Lukaku, have yet to really convince. Um, the you know m- m- the fact that the sort of a, a bloke is quite solid at right back is enough to sort of leap ahead of them. But I really can't think of of anybody else who. Certainly, I mean, there's loan signings. I mean, yeah. uh, Gallagher at Palace has obviously been been sensational, but that's not really a signing, is it? So, so yeah, uh, Tommy Asu. I'm going to shock you. I've gone for Tommy Asu as well. I was going to go for Ramsdale. But you're learning. This is, this is marvellous. Hanging around better with you. And better. So you wait till those awards next year. I'm going to do that <laughs> next year. I'm going to pick up some, some award. But, yeah, I just... I was going to give it Ramsdale, but then I thought you know, it's very, very expensive. So for the pricey cost, you would, you know, you would expect to see some kind of return. But then I do think also he got panned quite heavily. So I was very, very tempted to go for, for Ramsdale because he's definitely made a difference to Arsenal. The difference there is it's tangible; you can see it. Tommy Asu has helped firm Arsenal up. Would be the description I would use. Like you say, he's not a marauding right back at all, but he's very, very solid. He gives them a little bit extra in, in both boxes from set pieces, which which I think helps. I don't, I don't think he scored yet, but he's just another extra presence he's a presence, yeah, in yeah. the box, which oh, I think yeah. helps Arsenal. And they've been pretty good from set pieces at both ends, which is a unusual trait for Arsenal. You wouldn't usually expect that. And Arsenal have been better than I ever would have thought they would have been as well. His signing was... was Tommy, am I right in thinking Tommy Asu's signing was kind of poo-pooed a little bit? People were saying, well, what's this all about? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that great. Wasn't that great for Bologna? Yeah, I think he's just a player people didn't know much about. Yeah, Utility player, squad player, yeah. Yeah, so a young Japanese lad who, okay, he's played Anfield Internationals, he, he did fine in Italy. But, yeah, he certainly didn't arrive with any great great fanfare. I mean, if we are looking at other signings who I think have the potential to be very good, uh, I think Enoch Mwepu at Brighton, uh, I know he's had quite a lot of injuries, but when he has played, I think he, you know his drive from midfield are good. Uh, another Zambian, Patson Dakar, I think at Leicester has. has um, I, yeah, I know he only got his first Premier League goal last weekend, didn't he? But he's looked good in the uh, in the Europa League. Uh, when when you know, when Leicester looked good, he's looked good in the Europa League. I think his you know his pace and movement uh, is is promising. Um, but yeah, you know, at West Ham. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's fair. Um, but I, you know, th- these are not sort of the, the the sort of big sort of headline capturing 
signings of the summer. I mean, Lukaku, he feels like he's barely played for Chelsea. Grealish for 100 million will be a sensational signing, but you know, at the moment, he's probably not reached the levels you would expect of a 100 million pound player. Josh, what do the stats say? I'm not sure you're going to like this one because it is a loan signing, but we've got, oh, no. we, we've got Conor Gallagher. He's actually the fourth top rated player in the whole of the Premier League this season. Um, I think we spoke about him quite a lot in previous podcasts, but he's just become so important for Crystal Palace. I think Vieira, Vieira spoke about him quite nicely and it was either this week or in the build-up to the weekend where he said that uh, Gallagher reminds him a little bit of Ray Parler, who he used to play with, and then with the finishing instincts of Frank Lampard. Um, and I guess we do sort of see that, the tenacity mm. um, off the ball and on the ball, and then he does he is arriving and scoring some important goals. He's got six goals and three assists this season for for, for Palace, directly responsible for 42% of their goals, if you include the penalty that he won. Um, and obviously, he's a, he is from Chelsea and he scored more league goals than Lukaku, Werner and Havertz combined this season. So, um, so yeah, he's been he's been a great signing for them. And I'm sure there'll be a big decision to make at Chelsea um, in the summer. There was talk about him coming back in January, wasn't there? But I think he's already played more um, games that doesn't allow that to happen. But, but yeah... He, he either goes back to Chelsea in the summer, maybe he goes back on out on loan for one more year, or someone pays a pays a big fee for him. Yeah, he's been very, very good, but I'm not sure we can let a loan sign him win that. Josh, who would it have been if it was permanent signings? Um, let me just double check that for you. Uh, this might be quite controversial as well. It is Jack Grealish. Huh. Um, but yeah, I think I don't think many people expected him to end his goal drought with a header. Oh, uh, target man in the box, bullet. Header. Yeah, it was a good header to be fair. Got a lot of power on it. Um, but yeah, like he he hasn't. We haven't seen the best of him. Maybe that's a bit of his fault. Maybe that's just teething problems, um, getting used to what Pep wants. But he is he is really heavily involved generally when 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 he does play. So yeah, he's he is a top rated permanent signing, so to speak. He knows the algorithm, does Jack? Yeah, he's always he's always in there. He's always in there for Villa last season and for Man City. When you think he's not done a good job, he's still got himself in there. So he definitely knows the algorithm. His his rating isn't like amazing. But there aren't too many of the new signings that have got amazing ratings. Apart exactly. From, apart from Gallagher, if you include loans. But yeah, um, it's just because he's just so heavily involved. He he does a lot of things. Um, where's Tom? Maybe... Where's Tommy Asu there? Who Jonathan and my picks? Where's where's uh, he in terms of the new signing? I'm going appreciate. I'm killing you here by asking you questions. I'm not sure where it ranks of new signings, but his ratings around like the seven mark. So I would that he'll definitely be in the top ten. I would have thought for new signings. Fits in with the consistency model that, that Jonathan and I have, have spoke about. Also fits in with my excellent piece of punditry that, that there's not been many great new signings. Yeah. Even, if, even if I look at my team, Villa, everyone that's playing pretty much was is already season. there. They're already there. And I feel like that's the case with a lot of teams this season. <laughs> i tell you who has been a great new signing for allowing loan deals is Callum Doyle at Sunderland. Oh, what, oh, a, what a defender that, he is. I don't know who he is, but that sounds excellent. He's, he's on a two-year loan from uh, City and... Uh, he looks really, really good. The fact we're suddenly got him for two years, I'm very excited by that. <laughs> I think I had him on football manager. I know you love football manager, chat. <laughs> I might have had him on football manager when I got deep into a deep into a save, and he was very, very, very good. Actually. Yeah, left side of centre back, good on the ball. Oh, good no, in the that's, air. Someone, oh. that's someone else. <laughs> it was a midfield. <laughs> Don't know who I'm thinking of. Probably could play in midfield. He's good enough on the ball. Oh, okay, maybe, maybe he's him. Maybe there's two Doyles at Manchester City's academy. Who knows? I really thought you were going to say then. You know, he's been a good loan signing. I think I said Josh. <laughs> I honestly thought that was what you were going to say then. <laughs> where is Martin for, for uh, Martin for the the two Martin Lawrence fans? Where is where is he? Uh, he'll be doing the school run this morning. Okay, exciting. Yeah, I wish I'd not asked. Never mind. Let's carry on. <laughs> Best youngster then. Stop turning up for work. Pathetic. Pathetic. Yeah, get a grip, Martin. Best youngster. Let's go to who scored first. It's Gallagher, yeah. It's not, not very exciting for us that we've just covered him. But yeah, Gallagher, he is... If you're doing it from players of 21 and under, which I think should be the rules... Agreed. The official, the official rules are 23, aren't they? Which would then make it Trent Alexander-Arnold. But considering he's probably into his like sixth season now... Um, yeah, with, with Conor Gallagher's our, our young player of the season for, for basically just what I mentioned above. He's, um, on top of what I've already said, he's won four who scored Man of the Match awards this season, which is second behind Salah. So he's playing a very important role for, for Palace this season. Yeah, I've picked Gallagher as well. No, I know Brainer really. Jonathan, I'm presuming you have. No, I've gone Phil Foden. Huh. Have you? I mean, he's 21. Um, he's been, I think, the best left-sided player in the league. I think he's been the best false nine in the league. Uh, I think we 
yeah, he's almost sort of hard to conceptualise as a 21-year-old. It feels like he's about 28. Hmm. Um, I just I think his movement, his intelligence, his touch, I, I think he's on a, on another level. I think he's an absolutely magnificent footballer. And that, that game against Liverpool, he was absolutely brilliant. I mean, he tore Jameson Milner apart. Uh, so he's, he's done it in really player. big games. Uh, and look, Gallagher's obviously had a great season. It's it's uh, it's a perfectly re- yeah, it, yeah. The fact that the vote is two to one against me for that, fine, I accept it. But F- Foden uh, actually would would have made if we were to um, exclude substitute appearances. Foden would have actually had a better rating than Gallagher this season. Um, but just because he's made a couple of sub appearances, that just brings his rating just down a, a touch. But yeah, Foden is right up there for us as well. I think we've got to change his subs thing. I mean, let's get let's get rid of something that who scored have done for however long who scored been going for because I don't like it. But it shouldn't pull. It should pull it's the ratings. True, though. I mean, it's it's basically pulling down the ratings of people who play for clubs with big squads. Yeah, poor. Phil. I always hated that on on, on your football manager. Uh, yes, Jonathan. Here we are. <laughs> no, you you bring somebody off the bench and it pulls their rating down. You're like, now I wanted him to win player of the year, so I can't bring him off the bench, even though you know it'd be useful to get twenty minutes in his legs to kind of get his fitness back. Yeah, I think Phil Foden. I mean, how, 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 how much further can Phil Foden go in terms of ability? How much growth is there? Because he already feels like the complete footballer. I mean, I, I'd be happy if he doesn't grow at all. If he sustains this level for another 10 years, then... And if he can do it for England as well, it'd be... Yeah. That's the one. England will win something if he plays at this level for for next 10, 12 years. What I love about Foden is just that how much he loves football. Like, whenever I've seen either training videos from City or training videos for England, there's always Foden in the background just doing kick-ups on his own. He just loves loves playing football. I think that shows in his personality as well on the pitch. But whenever you hear people speak about him as well, if there's a second to spare, Foden will just have a ball at his feet doing tricks or something like that. Um, yeah, he's he's been he's amazing to, amazing player to watch. You have to give Pep some credit as well, I guess, because people question the way he was used early earlier on in his career, like a few years ago. But actually, what Pep's done, it's been very very clever. And you know, look at how look at how he's performing now. I think without Pep's, I mean, obviously he's an awesome footballer anyway. Awesome American Bar Simpson. Um, obviously he's a great <laughs> footballer in any way. But you know, the way Pep's managed him has been very classy and I think it has helped. Because there were calls, weren't there, early on that he wasn't starting him enough, wasn't using him enough. People wondering whether he should go out on loan, but obviously who's to who's to question Pep? It's obviously he obviously he knows what he's doing and it is it's worked amazingly for, for Foden. Because I was going to say that everyone expected him to replace David Silva. But actually, since David Silva went, he spent most of his time on, on the flank. So technically, he's replaced Leroy Sarno, Jonathan. Yeah, he has. But I mean, he's also you know, been the centre-forward. I think he's been their best centre-forward this season as well. Now, whether that would be the case if Evan Torres were fit, maybe, maybe not. But um, And I think that that is indicative of his footballing intelligence, the fact that he's the best player in the division in two different positions. Um, but yeah, I, I think... Uh, I was I was always a bit un, un, uncomfortable with the criticism of Guardiola over his use of him because you know, Guardiola brought through um, yeah, Busquets, Pedro, yeah, his his management of youth at Barcelona, PK was was sensational. He, he you know he clearly knows exactly what he's doing with that, and so I was fairly confident that he would get it right with Foden, and that if Foden was actually as good as we thought he was, there would be a moment when he suddenly exploded, and that. You know, that is exactly what's happened. Uh, I guess if you're one tier below that, which is still obviously a really high-level footballer, maybe that doesn't work for you and you end up sort of being, um, sort of losing a couple of years of being in your career. But even that, to be, to be honest, I'm not sure how bad a thing it is. I think there is a danger if you start really early, does that mean you get worn out and finish really early as well? Rooney. Um, well, Rooney, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, obviously... It's very difficult to take specific cases uh, and, and to wonder what would have happened if if um, if you know if they'd been held back. But I was thinking this with Aguero this week as well. You know, he, he made his debut as a fifteen-year-old in Argentina, which was partly a stunt to kind of to get the record of Maradona as the youngest player in, in the Argentinian league. And I think he only played twice the following season, um, but he was playing regular professional football from from being seventeen. And you do wonder what what a toll that takes on a body that. Um, you know, I've, 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 I know there's sort of a theory in the game that players have about 500 games in them. And it doesn't really matter if you start at 17 or 23. 
you know, 500 games is what you like to get. And that's why people like um, Jamie Vardy, uh, you know, have been able seemingly to, to go on forever because they started quite late. Interesting, interesting theories there, Jonathan. Next category is the most impressed by category, that well-known category that you see at award ceremonies across the globe. Again, I'm going to imagine we've possibly got the same answer here. Jonathan, who have you gone for? So this is something I didn't really expect much of. He's done really well. I I think it's quite generic. I think Martin's left it quite open. Just most Uh, impressed by. In which case, it's Aaron Ramsdale, I think. Okay, that's fine. Um, That's different to mine. I mean... I suppose you could say Conor Gallagher again and make it really boring. The Conor uh, Gallagher that, cast. In that I had essentially no expectations on him because I didn't really know a lot about him and he's <laughs> been really good. But Ramsdale, yeah, I I, I was very sceptical about Arsenal's transfer dealings in the summer. I, I, yeah, they... they, they um, did they send more than anybody else or more than anybody else apart from Manchester United? But anyway, they're one of the top spenders in the summer and I looked at the improvements they made to the squad and sort of thought, I'm not, not convinced that's really made them that much better for quite significant outlay. Um, I think particularly when you look at uh, letting Martinez go and then signing Ramsdale, I was very doubtful as to whether that, I mean, I'm still not not convinced that's necessarily an upgrade, but it doesn't look quite the economic madness it did did in the summer to, 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 to pay more for a player to replace somebody else when he wasn't necessarily that much better. But Ramsdale, I think, has been excellent. I think he's much better than I'd, I'd given him credit for. Um and you, know, you think of the save against Leicester, uh, but I think generally, you know, we were talking when we were talking about Tommy Asu about how much better defensively Arsenal looked this season. Maybe not against the very best sides, but certainly against the sort of bottom three quarters of the Premier League. And 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 uh, Ramsdale's a big part of that. I didn't think he was necessarily required. I didn't think he'd play, and I thought he'd add to the chaos at Arsenal a little bit. But actually, you know, he's brought a bit not not calmness because he's not a calm character. But he's just, he's just brought some level-headedness to the Arsenal back line. He's brought a bit of character as well to the club. When it happened, I, I just didn't think Leno was that bad, that they needed to spend that much money on a new goalkeeper. Um, but he's come in and he's been great. And as you say, the character he's brought to the team, he seems to be a fan favourite already. Um, and he does seem to be... I just didn't expect it, to be honest. didn't expect him to have that sort of that presence about him. But he, he's, he, he's quite an imposing guy as well. He's got massive, long arms. Um which I guess helps for a goalkeeper, but yeah, just a tickle. Just, just looks, um, just yeah, he's just performed well beyond my expectations of him. I think every game he's making like a couple of really impressive saves. It's not just like one, one every few games. It's every game. Who did who scored pick? Well, um, who did the algorithm pick? It was well, Ramsdale was in consideration, but it was Emmanuel Dennis of Watford. Um, he was he was also quite close for the for the new signing, but just the fact that he failed to score in eighteen league appearances last season. Um, across spells at Club Brugge and FC Köln, and he's come in and smashed it to really for Watford. He's got seven goals, five assists for for a pretty chaotic Watford team. I guess maybe that's helped. Maybe that's helped him because he does look seem quite chaotic when he when he plays. Um, but it's like he's one of only two players um, along with Salah who have reached five assists and five goals in the league this season. So he's doing both. Um, he's directly involved in fifty five fifty seven percent of Watford's Premier League goals this season. Um, and it's not just that as well. He's, he's worked hard. Only Dwight McNeil is making more tackles per game of like forwards and wingers than Dennis this season. So he's he's really he's come from nowhere really, um, and he's playing a big part for them. And he will do if they're to beat the drop. Yeah, I went to Vicarage Road for the first game of the season because Villa had Watford and Dennis scored. And I heard someone say that's his first goal for over a year, and I thought, well, <laughs> typical. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll, that'll be his only goal for the season then but he has exceeded expectation I don't know whether this is still the case but there was a point where he, him and Salah were the only ones to be above a certain number in terms of goals and assists is that still uh, the case does anyone know I think they were both they might have both been the first to go past 10 but that's not the case anymore I think um, Vardy and Hotter are both there now but yeah he might have been with, with I think Salah. it was five goals and five, so over yeah, yeah, five that, goals and yeah. over five assists. So yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's still the case. Yeah, they're the only two yeah, players who have done it in the league this season. That's awesome. That's very, very impressive. Yeah, yeah and I guess that is the, the 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 hope for Watford, isn't it? That the Dennis and uh, Josh King are both are both scoring, so they yeah. can sort themselves out at the back. They at least have, do have firepower to, to to maybe get a couple of wins. They remind me a bit of Villa under Paul Lambert. Absolute rubbish, but. That a front three that caused teams problems and that would get enough goals to just about keep your head above water. So with Saar thrown in that front three as well, 
I think Watford have got more than the likes of Southampton and might just stay up because of that front three. Is that fair? Well, it's, it's possible, yeah. I mean, I think I feel sorry for Hasenhutl because I think he's a very good coach. He's been a bit let down by constantly having to sell players. I mean, Southampton squad this season is clearly weaker than it was last season, having lost Ings and lost um, uh, Vestergaard. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's a question whether whether Hasenhutl's organisation um, can can outweigh the the firepower that Watford have. Obviously, as well, Watford will lose the likes of Dennis and Saad to Afcon if it still goes ahead. So that could be quite quite damaging for them. Yeah, especially with the with the way that they defend, that would not be helpful <laughs> at all for them. Uh, I went for Bernardo Silva because I think he's very unlucky not to get best player. He was kind of seen to be on his way out at Manchester City and he's just been incredible. Certainly the best player I've seen live in the flesh this season. Absolutely ran the show at Villa Park. And every time I've watched City, which has been a fair bit, he's just been the standout player wherever he plays and just a wonderful, wonderful footballer. And he works so hard as as well. Is he second to Salah, did you say, Josh? Uh, no, he is. Bernardo Silva's fourth. Wow. Okay. Yeah, he's been brilliant. And in recent weeks, he's added... Like output in terms of goals, he's, he's been a reliable goal scorer for City in the in the last month or so. Yeah, I think this is already he's already equaled his best ever Premier League goal scoring season, um, and we've obviously still got more than half the season to go. Uh, yeah, he's been. It's we've we mentioned it on every podcast, but it's just mental to think that he was he was on the not on the cusp maybe, but he there the door was open for him to leave if the right offer came in. Um, other clubs must be. Devastated, they didn't didn't uh, try and get that one over the line. Villa, don't forget the hundred million. That's for a bit of Bernardo Silva in exchange. I've got absolutely no idea whether he ever would have come near Villa Park. I would have quite enjoyed that. I would have been good. <laughs> would he have come? No, he wouldn't have done <laughs> that. <laughs> but I think that's where you see the impact of COVID on, um, and particularly beyond England, on the finances of clubs. That I think there's a whole category of player who in previous seasons might have already left, who are, are still where they are look at something like Son um, yeah, I think in, in yeah, 10 years ago the likes of Barcelona and Real Madrid might have been sniffing around Son and if he was getting frustrated the way things were going at Tottenham uh, I think you may see the same thing happen with Salah that essentially nobody else can afford him so he ends up staying at Liverpool and I think that's probably why those negotiations have gone so long because Liverpool probably think they have a reasonable hand just because mm. although he's been linked with Barcelona Barcelona clearly can't afford him it's, yeah. it's ludicrous how many I see Barcelona linked with Holland yesterday. I mean, of course they can't afford him. It's absurd. Aren't they signing Ferran Torres? Every week they're, they're linked. Yeah, they linked with him somehow. constantly. But again, why? Why would he leave? It just doesn't make any sense. Unless he's unless he's really homesick and wants to go back to Spain, which is possible. I don't know. But from a pure football point of view, it'd be ludicrous to leave City to join Barcelona now. Yeah, they might not even be in the Champions League next season. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, no certainties to go far in the Europa League, to be honest. I uh, know. And like, just back on that point, I think it's players like Pogba as well. I think they, even though he is probably going to be a, f- a free transfer, so to speak, I think he's going to find it difficult. I think that's why he's he's still said to be open to potentially staying at United because I don't think that he's going to get the wages that he perhaps thinks he might or he would have done in years gone by. I don't think Real Madrid or Juventus will be happy to pay whatever it would be, 400000 a week sort of thing for him. Yeah, well, I mean, we could do a whole show on people that are available for free in the summer. There's absolutely tons. There was an article, I'm plugging other things I do here. There was an article in The Athletic the other week. So many good mm. players. Of, oh, I didn't know we didn't like The Athletic. Oh, no. I don't mind them. Oh, uh, good. Just sort of contractually kind of bound by the Guardian to pretend I hate them. Get yourself a subscription, Jonathan, for Christmas. I'll get you a subscription, subscription. for I've Christmas. I've got a subscription. Oh, okay, I don't need to get you one then. Excellent. <laughs> I'm had a nice offer and you've already got one, so I don't have to follow through with it. That's what Christmas is all about. <laughs> um, in the Christmas spirit as well, the next section is biggest flop. <laughs> no, the award nobody wants. Nobody wants to receive this award. I've said it every category so far. Could have possibly gone for the same player here. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go in with a confident yes, we've all gone for the same player here. What the who scored, sir? Uh, I don't really like saying it because he is a not a friend of the show, but he does share our content quite regularly. Oh, no. He did, he did at least when he was at Dortmund. But uh, yeah, we've gone okay. for Jaden Sancho. Um, maybe not all his own fault. Coming from, no, I mean, 100% not his, all, his own yeah, fault. The stats don't lie. He's only got one goal and he's got no assists in 13 league games this season. He didn't start the first half of last season particularly well. 
But um, yeah, it's been pretty pretty bad for him this season. He's only averaging 0.6 shots per 90 this season, which is down from um, 2.3 last year. Uh, Divock Origi's had more shots than has had as many shots as Sancho in the league this season, and he's only played 38 minutes for Liverpool. So yeah, I think we've seen him recently. Like the Chelsea, he took his goal against Chelsea really well, and he scored a great goal in the Champions League. And United haven't really played since, so he hasn't really had time to to kick on from that. But it's been a bit of a, it's been a really disappointing start for him, especially for the money paid and the expectation. But I guess that's mainly was Solskjaer's fault. Um, and ho- the hope is that someone like Ralph Rangnick will will be able to get the best out of him, which I'm sure he will. Jaden, please keep sharing the stuff on who scored because you know everyone likes it when you share who scored stuff. We believe in you though. I, I don't think it's your fault. I think you're going to come back really, really strong. I've gone for Sancho as well because the money spent, the impact I expected him to have because he's an unbelievable footballer. But like you say, Manchester United has just not been a good place for him to to develop, a good place for him to, to go and make a name for himself in the Premier League. But he will, if Manchester United sort themselves out, Jonathan, Sancho will come good because he's a great footballer. Yeah, I mean, I sort of had him on my shortlist and not really going for him in the end just because oh, okay. um, it's just so obviously explicable what the problem was that, you know, Dortmund is in a very structured system and suddenly he's at Manchester United where the attacks aren't structured. It's very much, you know, work it out yourself. And then since Solskjaer went and they, they have become a bit more structured, he, he started to look look good again. So, um, he, yeah, he was he was on a list of four. None of them, I'm not really happy with any of the four of them. Um, so Lukaku, I, th- I think, I mean, I know there's been injuries, but I don't know. He, I, the, he seems to almost have disrupted the system more than anything else at Chelsea. I'm sure he will be good because he is, yeah, he, he's just a good player and an intelligent player. And I, I'm sure if he hadn't had the injuries, that that, that uh, you know that, that would have worked itself out by now. Um, Saul, I think, has been terrible. I uh, but, I mean, but yeah, brought in on a very late loan deal. Sort of, yeah, he is a player who's drifting. Can can we get something out of him just to bolster the back of our midfield where we are a bit short? I don't know if it's fair to pick him. And the other ones, just because he's a player that when he was last in Premier League, I, you know, even though he's playing for Newcastle, I really liked him. Is Salomon Rondon? Um, and yeah, I remember, I remember seeing Salomon Rondon playing for Venezuela at the Copa America in 2011, and thinking what a magnificent footballer he was. Somebody who led the line brilliantly. He he happily played 40 yards from his nearest teammate, but you'd whack the ball somewhere near him, and he'd win a throw in or a free kick, or he'd get a corner or get a, get a shot off. And I think it, it's uh, uh, for essentially a decade as running that incredibly uh, lone front man. Yeah, so just doing the job of the front half of the team himself. I think he was the best in the world. I think he did that really well under Benitez at Newcastle. And it just he hasn't looked anything like the same player at Everton. Now I know that he um he struggled in pre-season and I know he probably isn't fit enough yet. Um but he looks a lot older than 32. That's not the body of a 32-year-old. And I hope he can get it back because I, I I think he, you know, he, he's he's great when he's when he's on song. I could see why Benitez wanted him. And obviously Benitez had him in China as well. But so far, he's. Uh, I know he got his first goal last week, but he's uh, he's been pretty hopeless. Who are you going for then? Did you did you choose? Oh, uh, Ronaldo. Yes. <laughs> well, no, Ronaldo hasn't been a flop. Ronaldo's just caused us complications and difficulties, and I would never have signed him. But he's obviously not a flop. He's got lots of goals. Is it Sancho? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll go with Sancho. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. wanted to pick. It was. It was yeah. all right. He wouldn't. He wouldn't give me what I wanted. But yeah, Sancho. <laughs> Oh, that's not good. A clean sweep for Sancho in the award that nobody wants at well, he's all. He's only got a quarter of my vote. <laughs> so two, two point two five out of three. Okay, well, he's the majority. Yeah, Josh and I have, have plumped. Well, but he, he himself, plumped he himself him. must know that he hasn't had a great start. I just think it's not his fault. Is the is the I would, well, I would the also situation. agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you have to pick someone, and that was yeah. the one that leaped out to me. Team of the season so far, then. Unbelievably, we've all gone for the same formation. Who scored have moved away from the traditional 4 4 2 and have gone for a 4 3 3. So we can do that thing where we go player by player in each position, which is excellent and obviously makes it way more entertaining. So, goalkeeper, is it Ramsdale for who scored? It is Ramsdale. It is Ramsdale, yeah. He's got eight clean sheets um, this season. Only this is more than he managed in the whole of last season. Uh, only Allison and Edison have more, and he also has the best save success rate in the league at eighty percent. So yeah, Ramsdale takes it for us. Yeah, um, I think Edouard Mendy was close, but I think um, Chelsea's recent run of conceding—I think it's six games in a row—has cost him a, a bit in the ratings. So yeah, Ramsdale is now clear. 
yeah, recency bias had that bad game at West Ham, which is sticking in my mind because I was going to put him in. But Ramsdale, I've got to eat humble pie. I laughed at the signing basically on the podcast I do, and he's he's been excellent. So Arsenal fans, I do say things nice about Arsenal every now and again. That's an excellent signing, Jonathan Ramsdale. Yeah, for you? I was I mean I'm between uh, Mendy and Ramsdale, and yeah, maybe just because that West Ham game is uh, looming so large in my mind, I, I, I end up going for Ramsdale. Lovely. Right back, tough. I think there's two that you could pick. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's two that you could definitely go for. I mean, you know, you know how Gareth Southgate must feel now, Jonathan. Who did you go for? Well, this is why I went for the 4 3 3 because I started off thinking uh, there's some really good wing backs. So let's go for a back three and wing backs. And then it rapidly became apparent that just doesn't work because you need more midfielders and, and it means you have to leave out other players further forward who should be in. So. I presume the choice talking about is whether you go Alexander Arnold or Reese James. Exactly. And I went Alexander Arnold largely because I'm going for back four, not back three. Yeah, I went for Trent as well. Unplayable at times from right back. Reinvented the, the role of right back. So so creative. He gets so much of the ball at Liverpool as well, and he does so much with it. So yeah, he's been incredible again this season. A few question marks over him after last season like a few Liverpool players, but he's just completely answered any questions that would have been thrown at him. But I think the goal. issue last season wasn't really about him. I think, and I think this is why Southgate doesn't pick him. It's that if you if you're that aggressive from right back, there'll always be space behind you, which is fine if the press is good enough that opponents can't measure balls in behind you. But if the press isn't working as well as Liverpool's wasn't last season, and you think of the Real Madrid away game in particular, when Tony Cruz had loads of time to just you know, plink those little passes in behind Alexander Arnold, and he looks terrible. He's not doing anything different. He's still making those same moves forward. It's just that he needs the press along with that to protect him so that nobody has, has the, the time to realise the spaces there and to measure those passes. And that's why I think it would be a massive risk, particularly given that there's such a wealth of right-backs, uh, if England played him. Because international level, you're never going to get that level of pressing that you can get at no. a good club side. No, I do get it with, it with England and Southgate. Again, I know Southgate takes a lot, a lot of bad talk around that, but... I do understand that Trent is, is quite unique and maybe for international football it doesn't quite work, but you just look, you'd love to see him explode for England because he's so, so good for Liverpool. Josh, what who scored that? Uh, yeah, we've also got Trent Alexander-Arnold. He's the second top-rate top, top rate player in the whole league for us. Um, but yeah, he's just, been, he's just been unbelievable. It's amazing how Liverpool's system is so good that it gets him the ball so much and it's strange that other teams just don't try and stop, try and stop that. He's got the he's the most creative player in the league, which is saying something for a right back. Although I guess fullbacks do tend to touch the ball more than anyone else. But but yeah, he's more creative than the likes of De Bruyne, um, Bruno Fernandez, those sort of players. Um and yeah, he's got seven assists and the the goal he scored last night was incredible. It almost broke the net how hard he hit it. But yeah, we won for Trent as our right back in our team of the season. I guess it does help having Mo Salah in front of you as well. He might occupy quite a lot of uh, defenders and midfielders thought so that probably does help a little bit right centre back Josh uh, we have got uh, Joel Matip he Interesting. It, was, it was close it was close up until last night it was actually um, Virgil well not for the right centre back but in the in the defence it was Virgil van Dijk they actually traded places last night because obviously van Dijk didn't play um, but yeah injuries have, have really impeded him Peded Matip in the last few years. He's already started more games this season than he did in each of the last two seasons. Um, and I think um, Jurgen Klopp confirmed today that he has no intention of coming out of international retirement for AFCON, which is a surprise, I think, considering it's in Cameroon. But uh, He hasn't yeah. played for six years, though, for the national team. So, Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, um, but yeah, Matip takes in. I think a lot of Liverpool fans would say that Matip has been their best defender this season. I think Van Dijk's been great as well, especially coming back from that long-term injury that he had. But um, but yeah, Matip just gets it in for us um, at, at present. Yeah, I mean, I assumed it would be Canate or Gomez next to Van Dijk this season, but Matip's come in and, and been absolutely excellent. He was in my thoughts. I haven't gone for him, but we'll go to Jonathan first. Who's your right centre-back? Well, I was, I was looking at the pairing. Um, so initially I, I went for the, the Chelsea pair, Thiago Silva and Rüdiger. Um, but then I thought, actually, do they need an extra? Do they need the three there? I'm not sure I'd trust Rudiger in a two. Uh, you know, I think nah. he probably benefits from that extra protection. You know, the way he's so on the front foot. Um, and so then, uh, you know, uh, I know that uh, Ruben Diaz tends to play on the left, but you know, he has played on the right. Um, 
So I ended up, uh, I don't know, I find it difficult to decide between Thiago Silva and, um, well, Ruben Diaz is, is definitely one of the two. And then do I go Thiago Silva or do I go, go Van Dijk? I think Van Dijk has improved the last couple of months. Your Liverpool's run of eight wins in a row. They only conceded three goals in the spell. I think they have got, having added, you know, it looks slightly iffy defensively towards the start of the season when they let in two away against Atletico, when they let in the three against Brentford, the two at home against Brighton. You did sort of think this is a bit like Klopp's first full season when they did look a little bit shaky at the back. But, you know, those two 1-0 wins they've had against Wolves and Villa recently, I think you see the, the defensive structure being back. So... I'm going to say Diaz and Van Dijk as my two two centre backs. Diaz and Van Dijk. Who's who scored second centre back, Josh? Uh, Thiago Silva, which is quite a nice um, pairing of considering they're both free transfers. But yeah, we've got Thiago Silva alongside Matip. I think he's actually our he's still our top. If you look at players age 35 and over in Europe's top five leagues this season, which is the likes of Ronaldo, um, Modric, Ibrahimovic, David Silva, Manuel Neuer, those sort of players, Thiago Silva's actually got a better rating than all of them. Um, if you widen that to 30 and over, so you have players like Messi in that, in there, Lewandowski, he's seventh. So he's still, he's performing so well at such a, such. he's 37 now, which is, and he's still throwing his body on the line. He, I think he's in the top five for most block shots per game this season. So, and he's, he's added another, another dimension to Chelsea's back, back, back three as it is now. Um, but yeah, Thiago Silva alongside Jomatip in for who scored. And I've gone for two completely different people. To what you two have gone for. I've gone for Gabriel and Rudiger. I think Gabriel at Arsenal, I think he might be their most important player. Mm, no, when yeah, he's, when, he, he, when, yeah. when he's not there, you really notice. And yeah, that's very true. Th- he's been a threat from set pieces as well. Arsenal are sitting higher than I thought they would be. I don't, I don't think he was playing at the start of the season when they were shipping goals and getting beat left, right, and centre. Was it? Was he Gabriel? No, in the first three games, didn't he? Yeah, comes back in, and you know that's a con- considerable factor as yeah. to what, why they've been better since those first few games as well. So he, he, could be, he could be a wild card candidate to be Arsenal's next captain. To be honest, I, I, when you look at them, I don't think. I mean, he is an next... Arsenal player, and seemingly anybody can get him. <laughs> I mean, sorry. there is no natural leader there whatsoever. I know that's what I mean, but I wouldn't have even said Aubameyang is a captain material. No, person, no, but, no. But there don't really seem to be many natural, obvious picks after that. So I wouldn't be surprised if Gabriel did get it. I mean, the yes. other people I kind of looked at trying to get in was given how good Wolves have been defensively, trying to I get in. Cody, Cody, Roman Sice, um, Max Kilman, but yeah, I, Diaz and Van Dijk, yeah, you, know, you know what you're getting there. I mean, on paper, I would say that's a pretty good, that's the best centre half yeah. partnership out of three. But yeah, I've gone Rudiger. So I'd, like Jonathan says, in a two, maybe not, but he does give something extra to Chelsea at left centre back. He's a well, he gives you a threat going forward as well. Yeah. I mean, I think I'd my team would score some goals from set pieces with Trent delivering and Gabriel and Rudiger in the box. I think we'd be a, we'd be the biggest threat from set players, I would say. The left back then, Jonathan? Cancelo. Yep, same. Josh? Yep, same as same for who scored. I think we're for, quite fortunate that Cancelo has played quite a lot on the left because it would have been a bit of a problem trying to get him and Trent Alexander-Arnold or Reese James in that right back. But yeah, Cancelo for us, um, he's incredible, isn't he? Some of the passes that he's that he's producing on a weekly basis are what you'd expect from someone like De Bruyne. Or so. But yeah, he's he's incredible. He's he's also just having loads of shots. He's having um, as many shots per game as the likes of Jamie Vardy and Bruno Fernandez, which is quite incredible. He's getting into positions where you shouldn't expect a fullback to be. But I guess that's down to the way Pep gets his team playing. I think it's part of the problem with Grealish, you know, and Cancelo's kind of doing the stuff that. Grealish would want to do cutting inside from the from the left flank and getting shots or, or crosses off or passes. And Cancelo's he's, he's doing that essentially. He's kind of taken up Grealish's space a little bit, but he's been unbelievable at left back. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the fact he you know he comes inside rather than overlapping, I think you know it's changed how fullbacks play. And I think you're right. I think that that is you know of the, of the many things Grealish has to learn playing for Pep's side. I think I think that maybe is the most difficult to adjust to that um, you don't always have that. that yeah, there's the fullback going outside you as you uh, cut inside, and so maybe the fullback's distracted by that, and 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 you know he does have to adjust to that. Tell you what, Jonathan, you're really getting in with the Christmas cheer. You've said I've been right about three times in this podcast. Well, I did say that on the podcast about six weeks ago. So I just repeat my own stuff back to us. <laughs> oh, okay. is, that, is, that is, that fine. Where is that where I've got it from? Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm me thinking I'm, I'm really knowledgeable about football, but I'm just <laughs> nicking stuff from all the podcasts I do from the from the people on there. Excellent. Right, midfield then. I guess you've got a defensive midfielder, one defensive midfielder. That's how, how my team's lining up. Josh, who is at top of the who scores stats? Uh, we've got Rodri in there. Um, I've been really impressed with him this season. I think there were, we said it on a previous podcast, where there were, at the start, there were question marks whether he was playing that role as well as Fernandinho, and he, he wasn't really to start with. But he's really come on, and I think it was against Leeds in the 7-0 win. He was There was an, another side to his game where he was just breaking forward and he was arriving in the box quite a lot, um, breaking up attacks quite high high up the pitch. But yeah, his, his tackle success rate is up um, to 80% this season, which is pretty good for a defensive midfielder or any midfielder um, when you consider the players, how often they can often be left exposed. But yeah, he's, he's our pick in defensive midfield. I went for Declan Rice. Just he doesn't really I'm, play in that, that role anymore, though, does he? Oh, he's going to in my team, Jonathan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, no, he can, he can do it. Yeah, to be fair, he can do it. Uh, no, I, I went Rodri. Um, you went Rodri as well? Yeah. Outnumbered. Yeah, I, 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 I sort of was thinking this, you know, um, with West Ham sort of, I mean, struggles is, is overstated, but their they're slight blip recently. And one of the things they seem to have lost is Suchek's goals. And I wonder whether yeah, Rice is... Whether Rice's forward runs is meaning Cichek's having to play more defensively, and so they've lost a little bit of thrust from him. Are we agreeing again? I mean, Jonathan, well, maybe we should do our own podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Forget who scored. We'll just go. We'll go off on our own. It's just been a debate, though. It would just be like, oh. I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. No, you're everyone, right. Yeah, yeah. Everyone would be like these two. They just, they just know their stuff. <laughs> we're, pretty, we're pretty sure the hosts copying Jonathan, but these two know their stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think Rice can play at the base of a, yeah. of a mid. He can, he can. He can. And he's and he's. He's one of my favourite players to watch. I, I you see, I've got Rice in the team on the right. Uh, the oh, spoiler. Yeah. Spoiler. Go on then. Who's your, who's your two in front, Jonathan? Rodri, definitely. Bernardo Silva, definitely. Then it was whether I went for Rice or Conor Gallagher. Uh, I've gone for Rice just because I, I would like that little bit more protection. Um, and then, yeah, you have the option of Rodri, as we saw against Leeds, that Rodri can break forward and Rice can tuck in. So I think picking Rodri, Rice and Bernardo Silva, you have got a bit of, a bit of flexibility there that... They're coming from different angles. Algorithm? Uh, we've got um, Conor Gallagher and Bernardo Silva, so who Jonathan was toying up between. But uh, yeah, Bernardo, Bernardo Silva, for someone that is obviously very small and doesn't look very physically imposing, does get about a bit, doesn't he? he um, he's making more tackles per game than Fabinho and Thomas Partey, which not says more, not says doesn't say great things about them, what they're doing. But yeah, Bernardo Silva, Rodri and Conor Gallagher, Buzz. Once again, I'm completely different to both of you, which I'm not sure is a is a good thing. So I've gone for Gallagher, and I've gone for Jordan Henderson. I think I'm, really, I'm never really going to criticise the inclusion of Jordan Henderson. <laughs> he's, a, he's, he's scored a couple of goals this season. I just think he's making. He's one of the players that's really making Liverpool tick. He's a great footballer. He's passing. He's made some unbelievable passes this season. You think of his assist against Manchester United. He played a lovely ball against Newcastle last night in the first mm. half on the volley. Like Henderson's having a really good season, and it's, it's going a little bit under the radar because you kind of think of him now as moving away from the, the being in England's best eleven. It seems to be Rice and Phillips. You've got Bellingham coming through. But Henderson's still got an awful lot to offer, and he's an integral part of Liverpool. I just think he's having a really good season. Yeah. I mean, there's a serious danger. I won't get weird side of the year this year. I think Jordan Henderson might nick it off us. Is that, is that another award that you win yearly? It doesn't exist. Just a mad. Uh, well, a real award. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, Emily Sande dominated for ages. Uh, you've had Lovin Laverne, there, you know, there or thereabouts. But yeah, I think Jordan Henderson's probably, uh, probably nicking it off us this year. Yeah, honestly, I think he's been brilliant this season. I can't. I don't know what the word is, overstate. I just think he's been really, really good for Liverpool. And as I say, he doesn't get the credit he deserves. A, a, a better footballer than people give him credit for, I would say. I actually yeah. thought that when Klopp came in, that Henderson would eventually be phased out. Van Dijk would be made captain, but he's he's proved... I think he did prove Klopp wrong as well. I think they had a chat, didn't they, that there was a time where he was out of the team and I think um, Henderson was told him that I, I'll do... I'll, wherever you play me, I'll carry that role up uh, out to the best of my ability. And I think he has... Proved a lot of people wrong um, in the last few years. I actually really like him at the base of Liverpool, like he was last night at the time of recording against Newcastle. I know Fabinho's always going to play, and he's an incredible footballer as well, but he said that he has to get that bit more time on the ball to do his thing with with his passing. So, yeah, Henderson, great season so far. Front threes, I'm not convinced by mine at all. Right-hand side, I presume we've all got Salah, who we've already spoke about. Yeah. In the middle, 
who scored have gotten for Diego Hotter. Um, yeah, he he just there was a bit there was a, a few changes actually in midweek. Uh, the last midweek games there was a few changes in attack, but yeah, Hotter's come in now as the central striker. Nice, Jonathan. Yeah, Diego Jota. God, right. You may have noticed it wasn't someone in my midfield, so I've gone for Bernardo Silva as a false nine. Yeah, okay, well, I, I toyed with. I mean, I've got Foden on the left. I toyed with Foden as a false nine and Bernardo Silva on the left to get Gallagher and Rice in the midfield. So again, I've kind of worked in a way that you were thinking about, which is a, yeah, yeah, which is a yeah, great yeah. thing. Oh, yeah, look, just... we, we, we've got Gallagher on the bench. We, we you know we can bring him on and we we can go to that system if you know if, if that's the way it works. Yeah. I, the only bit I'm not sure of on my side is the left-hand side. I haven't, I haven't concretely got a pick. So who did who scored pick, Josh? Just uh, so I can... uh, Foden. And I think it, this goes into what Jonathan was saying earlier, that Foden's been the best player on the left and in the middle. Because prior to last night, he was in the middle. Um, and then now he's in the team of the season on the left. So, yeah, he um, he's our left winger. I mean, my pick that I have jotted down here hasn't been spoken about by either of you, which is a bit of a concern. I've gone for Rafina in a in a team that's struggling. He has been, the, the, you know, the one the one thing that's kept Leeds going. So, yeah, I'm going to stick with that then. Can, can I just confirm whether it is Rafinha or Rafinha? Rafinha, yeah, Rafinha. Yeah. Oh, I think I spelled yeah. it wrong. Yeah, Rafinha, because like you say, they're in trouble anyway. They've had injuries galore, but he scored some important goals. Their their points would be a lot worse off. If he wasn't in the team again, one of my favourite players to watch, and I was just trying to mix it up a little bit, really. You, can, you know, if you can get the if you can get the Leeds fans on side, you're in, you're in a good place. I mean, I've probably got the Arsenal fans on side with my team as well, and the Liverpool. It's City now. I seem to have a problem with on Twitter. It's moved well, from yeah, Arsenal I, to City, and I realise in this team I don't have any Chelsea players, which seems deeply unfair. But yeah, I think there's a nice spread on mine. On my team, I'm I mean, very Liverpool City heavy. I think I presume this will go to a vote on who scored Twitter. I yep. would assume, Josh. But we're going yeah, to know whose is the best. Yeah, it'll go to a, once they'll come out. I'll go to a vote, and we'll let the who scored followers decide who has the best team or the most accurate team. I think by virtue of the spread, I might come off quite well. And this one again, Christmas theme, lovely spread. I think because I've gone across the the different the different the different teams, I might come out okay in this. But three good three good teams, Josh, weren't there? Yeah, they're. I mean, they're, they've all played amazingly. Haven't they? All these players that we've spoken about, apart from Sancho, but um, but yeah, they're they're great teams. You know, I don't think you can really argue against any of, any of the picks. Lovely, Jonathan. Enjoyed yourself. Been tremendous. At the very least, I've enjoyed the podcast. It's been nice to do something different. Obviously, the chaos of the Premier League fixtures at the moment. We thought it would be better to do something different, and this kind of thing is something that fans seem to enjoy. So we've gone for it. Hopefully, you agree. With a lot of our picks, let us know in the comments if you haven't. And if you're not already subscribed to Who Scored Edge of the Box podcast with your post notifications on, then make sure you're doing that, please. We really want to get the subscriber numbers up. The views have been good recently, so please, please keep watching. This will be the last podcast before Christmas, so I hope you have a tremendous Christmas. Hopefully, you know, we're all able to celebrate and do what we want, but we will see what happens. But yeah, whatever you're doing, have a great Christmas. And as ever, make sure you stay safe.